This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It's Tuesday the 25th of April 2023. Today we're going through feedback. And I can't remember if I put sugar in my coffee. Oh, it's going to be one of those. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hang on, hang on. Let me just check this. Hang on. <sighs> Can I just say, one of one of the better intros there. Amazing. I think I did put sugar in it. I just can't remember. Well, how does it taste? Does it taste sweet or bitter? It tastes it tastes kind of bitter and sweet. It's like okay. bitter well sweet. It's fine. Just get it down your neck. You'll be all right. Welcome to Double Tap. Hello. Hello. Uh, how are you? Um, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm, Do you know, I'm a, little, a little bit discombobulated, I'll be honest with you. Are you? Why? Oh, well, I think it was that intro just threw me off for a start. But, um, <laughs> no, no, I'm fine. Carry I on. Feel, I feel better about a show when I know it's chaos. I just feel like <laughs> it's like I'm better in turbulence. That's the honest truth of life with me. I think I'm better in turbulence yeah. because yeah. then nothing, nothing. It can't get any worse. Well, I guess in turbulence it could get. But let's not go there. Um, wow, what a start to the show! <laughs> <laughs> not only a plane crash, it was a train crash. Carry on. I have to say though, I am a bit concerned about my life. I'll be honest, I am a bit concerned. I, I want to say this up front. I just want to mm. say that this could be the last few weeks of this show. <gasps> Well, thanks for breaking it uh, on air to me. That was that was lovely of you. Well, I mean, I could have told you privately, but yeah. I wouldn't have got the impact. No, that's um, true. I think this might be the last few weeks. Okay. Why is that, Stephen? Why? What's your thinking? Are you simply, <sighs> have you had enough? No, this isn't about the show. God bless you, Mr. F. It's been a while. It's, it's not me, it's you. Uh, no, it's, it's not about the show. This is about me and my life. I okay. think my life is in jeopardy. Oh, now now I'm interested. Why? Oh, you sound a bit overly excited. <laughs> Sorry, about now that I'm excited. Sorry. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so my wife and I are going out tonight yeah. to an event, and it's a talk. We're going to a talk. I, I don't know whose idea this was, but we're going yep. to see a show called The Makings of a Murderer. Oh, yes. Yep. Yeah, I, the warning signs are there. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Right? I think that's it. I think we're starting to see the warning signs. I think my wife is planning to have what? my life ended. I mean, maybe she's not going to do it herself. Maybe she's just going to, you know, so get someone else just, in. Or maybe she's just getting just, ideas. This is just a note in case you suddenly disappear. Right. I, I'm putting it out there. You know, you know, you do get so many true crime podcasts, mm. right? And they're very popular. Everyone loves true crime. You know who they're popular with, though, don't you? Wives. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, okay, fine, right. It's true. Sarah Sarah loves listening. I can't listen to half the audiobooks Sarah gets because they are just, well, sickening for one thing. It's all serial killers and describing, oh, it's terrible. I can't stand it. I just want to watch a Disney film, but no, no. They love that stuff. I'm with you. I get worried. I, I am concerned. I am genuinely concerned. Because, you know, the, the thing is that she's been listening to a lot of these. Although mm. I have figured out something pretty cool, though. Okay. I've well, been thinking about this for a while. Like, How could we get into the true crime world on Double Tap? How could we kind of get into that world and get some of that true crime podcast action? Oh, Okay. And You're I think it's, it's going to, to kill be with, me, are you? It's, it's, I think it's going to be end in my death. I think it's me. I will be the subject of this. They will be playing this back in courts, yeah, and then this, there'll be you, and then it'll become part clip. of a Netflix documentary. It's oh. all going to happen. My oh, life will be in now. lights. Now I am excited. <laughs> we finally made it. We've wow. made it. Well, one I of did. us did. Yeah, you made it, <laughs> and I'll just um, yeah, not. Well, there you go. What a great start to the show. Thank you, sir. That's um, really yeah. cheered me up. Well, I've got to sit through this tonight, so you know. Okay, that I'm, I'm not going to. That's not my thing. I'm going along because I'm the decent guy who will, yeah. you know, to some degree, go with in fear this. of his life. Yes, <laughs> I'll go with this to an extent until you know the knives are pointed in my direction. You know, then it's like there's a different question, right? So, who's giving this talk? I don't want to get too far into it, but this is just an actual person in front of a, you know, on a podium 
giving a talk, is it? I don't or, think he's in a podium, no. I, I think I think in a cage of some sort, <laughs> with a face mask on, being I, I, wheeled no, in. I imagine it's <laughs> I imagine it's probably done it's gonna be done very well. It's almost an art of storytelling. This is a former detective in Scotland who put away some very, very well known and notorious criminals. And he's going to be doing a talk about it. Actually, it sounds quite interesting, if I'm perfectly oh, honest. Yeah, no, now you've put it like that. Yeah. Like the threat of murder, it sounds quite good. The threat of what? Murder. That, so I can't he, do a Scottish accent. <laughs> I don't say like murder. Murder. <laughs> oh, that's it. It's rolling the R's. Well that's done. That's it, yeah, exactly. Uh, listen, uh, totally separate to that, and you'll be pleased to hear we are going to talk about some tech today, um, and also get your feedback as well, loads of your feedback. We uh, wanted to get to it yesterday, but, you know, Sean just kept talking so much, so we couldn't, you know. So How dare you? I, I, was, I was on that show. Percentages of who spoke and when. That is not available to anyone. <laughs> it's not possible to calculate such a thing. I want feedback. I love the feedback. The well, feedback. we're going to get to that. The yes. feed box is back. Uh, but I want to talk about PT, because remember this app I was telling you about for the watch? Oh, PT? yeah. P-E-T-E-Y. Yes, GPT, or PT, as it's known on the Apple Watch. Uh, it's now getting new integrations, uh, which is kind of interesting. They've done an update, uh, which means that if you've got this, and a few of you have been telling me you've been trying this app out, a uh, very simple app, but it's now got Apple Music integration. And this is actually quite interesting, because... Uh, this new integration means that you can uh, do lots of cool things, like, for example, generate playlists and add songs to playlists. So if you've ever had a trouble trying to build Apple Music playlists, you can do it using PT. Uh, uh, <sighs> I, I don't know why I bother. Who needs playlists? What's that all about? You say, play this music, and it just plays whatever sounds similar to it after the first one's gone. That's all you need. I'm not being dictated to by the... Uh, Patriarchy. Well, f- is that <laughs> right? yeah. funnily enough, this was actually a Siri shortcut. So we did have the you know GPT access through a shortcut. That was uh, mm. the first version. And I did recently see another one which had exactly this feature. So you can say, uh, make a playlist from the top uh, 50 uh, whatever pop tunes of the 1960s and um, add it to uh, Apple Music. And it would do exactly that. And then you could follow on that question, you know, take out songs with the word whatever in there, and it would redo the playlist. It was actually really cool. So it's, um, yes, this sort of thing. I do like it when they integrate it in the system, though. It does make more sense. Basically, I just want it to replace Siri, though. Well, yeah, and you kind of think, I mean, why isn't it easier to, why isn't it easier to do this with Siri, right? I mean, that that would yes. be the obvious way to do it. I think there are ways, and I know, for example, with the Echo, you can do a lot of this stuff, um, creating playlists, adding music to playlists. It's a lot easier, I think. But, yeah, it just feels like it, the whole thing could be done better in a lot of ways. You know, it could be done a lot better through, you know, directly through the system rather than having to go through a third-party app. And you've got to pay for this app as well, especially if you want full access to GPT. Mm-hmm. Now you get access to GPT-4. I know that GPT-4 has a lot of function to it. It's not just about images, is it? It's got a lot more functionality to it than that. Hence what, because there's other ones. What's the value to an Apple Watch? Um, well, the biggest, the biggest thing that it's a year's extra data because the cutoff point of three was 21. And right. this one's, uh, GPT-4 is 24. Oh, okay. I believe. Um, yeah, plus the image integration with it. But um, Yeah. Uh, also, Prime Video launching a new accessibility feature that makes it easier to hear dialogue in your favourite movies and series. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Prime Video rolling out this feature called Dialogue Boost, which has initially launched on select Amazon Originals worldwide. Dialogue Boost lets you increase the volume of dialogue relative to background music and effects, creating a more comfortable and accessible viewing experience that cannot be found on any other global streaming service. So, na-na, na-na-na. And don't bother looking anywhere else, because it's only here. Doesn't um, exist anywhere else. No one else has anything like this, apart from, I think, Apple has something similar. Um, <laughs> I'd be interested, though. How does this work? Is this just, you know, like a graphic equaliser, and it's just up in the vocal range? Um, or is there something cleverer going on? I did see this in the list of updates in the App Store on my phone, actually, with the uh, Prime video. That was uh, stated in the release notes. So, yeah, okay. Um, well, it says it says here during playback, you can view and choose which level of dialogue boost you would like uh, via the audio and subtitles drop down menu. The audio tracks are usually labeled English dialogue boost medium, 
English dialogue boost high. So you're not getting choices or sliders here to you know sort of make it perfect for you. So this is an actual audio track they've already processed. Yes, they've processed oh. this specifically for, which is actually not a bad way of doing it. Actually, well, I would initially be, anyway. Well, mm, don't give people too much choice. Look, it's hard enough. No, how would it work with audio description? Mm-hmm. Would it over, over? What's, what's the word I'm looking for? Over ears. Uh, yes. Would it? <laughs> would it over dub head. the? Uh, <laughs> would the audio description be inaudible to some degree? That's all I'm worried about. You know, when you watch those films where the mix has been done absolutely terrible, and there's some loud <laughs> yes. action going on on screen, and you just can't. It's like someone whispering in the background, and there's a fire happening. There. It's, it's the ones where there's like a you know like a building or something, or a bridge explodes or something, and it's yeah. the noise is incredible, and then the dull. The, the sound just completely gets pulled back. It's as if someone just turns the volume right down and you hear, a bridge has exploded. You're like, yeah, I know, I could hear it. <laughs> I heard the explosion. I didn't think it was just happened to be, you know, I don't know, a bicycle next door. I mean, I, I know that it was coming from the television and I, I know they were talking about blowing up stuff. You can't so make some people up. happy, can you? You're always uh. complaining. I'm talking about the opposite of that. I'm talking about the conversation now being too loud to really take in. The audio description. Yeah, that is interesting. That is going to be interesting because it's all because it is all mixed separately. And the question is, what what did the broadcasters get when it comes to audio description? What do they have? Do they have a oh, file no. that is all mixed together yeah, by wait, the audio that, description company? That wouldn't work because because it's a separate audio track, so you couldn't have the audio described audio track and this track at the same time. Um. Well, you're talking about the dialogue boost, though, because I mean, when you yeah. get, but I'm, I'm talking about the actual track of the movie. The track of the movie is mixed with the audio description. That's why there's two versions. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. I'm with you. Yes, but that's not going to be. Well, I wouldn't imagine it's separate. So when it comes to mixing it, they would have to have remixed it. Yeah, but you, then you'd have to have two extra audio tracks to every show. With uh, audio, yes, tra- English point. conversation yeah. boost with audio with description. AD, yes, <laughs> yes, that's a good point. Actually, oh, that's a good point. And the, it's uh, too complicated. The, the originals do have most of them anyway. Do have AD, so yeah, that's interesting. Okay, well, hmm. it's, it's, okay. I mean, I'm not going to knock it. More power to no, them. No, definitely but, um, not. I mean, I, I must admit, I found this with a lot of. Um, shows nowadays i find it so hard to hear what people are talking about and of course when you do have the audio description on not all the time but sometimes you do have to really sit there with the volume and just ride the volume up and down and up and down because you think this is just the audio is all over the place oh it's worse when you're watching it at night you know and everyone's in bed and you got (laughs) because it's suddenly as they're talking it's really quiet so you turn it up and then something can happen you gotta quickly turn it down I remember someone once talking about watching watching a war documentary in bed, and it's like you're lying in bed next minute. <laughs> doo, 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 doo. You're like, yeah. hey, I'll just turn it down a bit. Yeah, yeah. Just sitting there with the volume, you know, up and down, then up and down. Headphones, yeah, that's the know. answer. Well, that's the thing. Of course, if you've got Apple TV, you could just stick on your AirPods. There you go. They do sound really nice. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, uh, shall Sorry. we get to some uh, nice emails? Feedback. Yeah. We've got feedback. Oh, that's going back a bit. Yeah. Oh, shh. That's one for the oldies. That's one for the, that's one for the ones who've been with us for a while. Uh, yeah, let's get some feedback. Let's start with an email from E.T. He's back! Hey! Obviously, the, um, shot down by Americans, I'd imagine. Um, <laughs> okay. Oh, the We're Canadians? aliens. Yes. Okay. No, not, not this E. Yeah, just to be clear. <laughs> Our E.T. is fine. He's fine. Uh, it's the other E.T.s you've got to worry about. Yeah, let's let's hear what he's got to say. (coughs) Here's Laura. Hey boys, really like your show. Don't panic, Apple is aware of the issue with the Apple TV not announcing the information. Just keep your shorts tight, wait and be patient. LOL. The original (coughs) E.T. Hey, it's the original E.T. That was as as confusing as the intro to this show. What? (laughs) We're talking about the whole, you know, Apple TV issue with the navigating around and you couldn't find, you know, so you get one of 75 and it wouldn't... You yeah, read out the whole thing. That was oh, I see. Yeah, so yeah, but that's the ITVX here in the UK. Well, that wasn't the only problem. one though. It's happened on other apps as well. It's not just oh, on well, ITV. Yeah, so is that an Apple thing? Right? Is, is that an issue? I noticed my Apple TV just was constantly repeating itself the other day when I turned it on. That's a nice new bug. Oh, nice. I, I must just admit, mine my... says same thing all the time. You just got to turn voiceover off and turn it back on again, and hope it doesn't come back anytime soon. But it does. My wife accuses me of doing that as well. I don't know what that is. Is that a bug? <laughs> Can that be That's fixed? why she wants to end you. Okay. <laughs> Can Apple fix me? 
I, I do think, though, that one thing about the TV that does irritate me is it is very verbose. And, you know, whenever you start watching a programme, I don't know if you've ever read this. I have this all the time. And I think it must be something to do with either the TV or the sound bar. I don't know where it is, but sometimes you will be arrowing through a menu and the sound just disappears. And, you know, say, for example, it's reading out the name of a show, it will not read out the name of the show. It'll just start saying things like, you know, um, rated 15, and they start reading yes. the synopsis, but it doesn't ever read the name of the show. And then you have to, it's almost like it's going to sleep like, every couple of seconds. Well, don't knock it. We've all been there. Nothing wrong with that. That's true, yeah. What's that age thing? <sighs> there's, there's quite a few like that where I'm, I'm just trying to get the synopsis of the show. And I'm never quite sure where to go. Do I need to go up, go down? And that's yeah. the play or rent button. And yeah, I just end up, usually on the Apple TV, I just hold down that play button, the bottom left corner, hold down that play button. And it will, after three seconds or so, it will just try to read the entire screen. I usually just go with that. Okay. Uh, let's get another email in. This from uh, someone we haven't heard from in a little while. Hello, Laura, Stephen and Sean. Negative Julian here. Yes, Yay! I'm still Yay! alive and well. My head did not explode or anything. Did anyone ever see that 1980s movie Scanners? Yes. Messy. I am emailing about your discussion re AI. Sorry, Laura, this may turn into a long one. I absolutely agree that AI will have a profound effect on society. Some administration jobs could disappear very rapidly. Consider the issuing of passports and driver's licenses. Some jobs considered professions and lifelong careers could disappear. What price accountants? And whilst it might be quite a while before an AI can stand up before a jury and argue a complex murder case, it can surely do all the bread and butter solicitor work like conveyancing and will writing. On top of that, consider all the implications of a sophisticated AI being linked into a country's CCTV camera network, along with the facial recognition and number plate recognition. Do not tell me that the police and other security forces will not want to do that. Of course they will. A paradigm shift in economic and political thinking will be required. Whether the world's politicians are up to the task, I very much doubt. Their performance on other issues hardly inspires confidence. For all that, I found your opinions rather naive. You spoke as if all of this is startlingly new and no one has given it any prior thought. This is nonsense. People have been giving serious thought to AI and its implications since at least Alan Turing raised the subject in the late 1940s. If you're not into the serious academic stuff, you can still see the train of thought reflected in popular culture. Have you never seen Fritz Lang's Metropolis, released in 1927, or read Isaac Asimov's I, Robot short stories, all written in the 1940s? More recently, a mere 55 years ago, good old Hal was refusing to open the pod bay doors. Oh, I love Around that. the same time, Captain Kirk was forever destroying megalomaniac computers that had taken over entire planets. They generally seemed rather peaceful and well-run to me. He should have left well alone. <laughs> One could even trace the discussion back to Mary Shelley and Frankenstein, published in 1818. As regards a six-month moratorium, what on earth is that supposed to achieve? As long ago as the 1970s, climate scientists were warning about man-made global warming. After more than half a century of talking about it, what have the world governments achieved? A lot of hot air and no cooling. Even if a six-month pause was agreed, not going to happen, what do you think all the scientists, programmers, mathematicians, etc. will be doing? Going on extended holidays and forgetting all about it? Of course not. In academia, researchers will still research, driven on by either dreams of Nobel Prizes or just by curiosity. In commerce, they will go on developing because when the moratorium ends, they want to hit the ground running with an advantage over their competitors. Definitely no comment on the subject of AI would be complete without mentioning the military. Immediately, you start thinking of mad generals with armies of killer robots. No, 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 not for years yet anyway. Be realistic and think signals intelligence. SIGINT. Do you seriously think that the likes of GCHQ, the NSA, FAPSI and MSS are not at this very moment using their own AI systems for cryptography and traffic analysis? If ChatGPT and its competitors represent a serious leap forward, they will be eagerly incorporating some elements of it into their systems. You might also consider that these agencies are also taking an active, perhaps proactive, interest in quantum computing. Now an advanced AI running on a quantum computer. That would be interesting. Kiss your hairy backsides goodbye, ape descendants. Your time has passed. Do I have a solution to all this? Of course not. I'm just an old blind guy. Perhaps you should ask an AI. One thing I am sure of, as per the old Chinese curse, we live in interesting times. Regards, Negative Julian. 
Good to hear from you, Julian. Always nice ah, to hear you. And uh, good to hear you back. Yes, uh, back in a fine form again. Some really great points there. Yeah, I mean, again, it comes back to this. I've had this a few times from people. Uh, I get emails from, from certain people. I think people who frankly have brains. And, you know, they often tend to tell me, <laughs> didn't you see this coming? Why didn't you notice? And, you know, and you mentioned films there. You mentioned films and and stories and i i get where you're coming from but i don't think any of us really watched frankenstein and thought hey that might happen one day i i don't and i think if you did at that time you're kind of lying to yourself <laughs> i don't think that would ever have happened i don't think we would have gone out of the theater thinking goodness imagine that happened and i don't think many people would have chin stroked the way through isaac asimov either i just i don't know but I don't think that's probably the case. I think more of I think that the, the the reason this is so shocking to so many people, and it is shocking to many people, based on uh, not just the feedback to the show, but to the the feedback from the world on this, is that it's all moving very very quickly. At least that's how it appears. Now I know it's been around for a long time. I know it's rooted in lots of technology. In fact, the, the origins of AI go way back, and the origins of this capable computing go way back as well. But for most people. This is new. And you've got to acknowledge that. It's not naive to think that this is new. It, it feels new to a lot of people. And it's not, the, it's not the feeling of the newness necessarily. It's the scale at which it's moving at, the speed at which it's moving at. Now, that's partly because the conversation has moved away from geeks and into the mainstream. And the news is talking about AI and the speed of it. And we're starting to see examples of how it can be used. And I think that the... the particular examples I gave on that show kind of highlight the the real world impacts being able to read our dreams you know that's a practical thing that we can all get our head around and the fact that technology is potentially there to do that or is, is not maybe there today but will be there in a year it'll be there and capable to do that using wi-fi signal to read a room to see who's there to see who inside a house see through walls that capability is here. And that's the bit that terrifies people is that we've moved on from this being a little robot running around falling over. And I don't know if you remember a couple of years back, Sean, the story of the, the police robot that kept getting pushed into the river every time it would go around trying to be Mr. <laughs> police robot. I think it was in New York. And Aww. they had this little robot and it would go around trying to, I think, I think there was an intention of it trying to get from one place to another and they wanted to see how far it could get. And then human nature kicked in and, you know, it was dumped in a river. Yeah, um, didn't last very long. But people look at that, and and you know, and like also we said this on on that show as well. You know, you ask Siri a question. I, I asked it to FaceTime Mum the other day, and it said a time bomb is, and proceeded to tell me. I've tried to get it to call you, and it says Steady. mobile mobile Alabama is. Oh, and you go. What were you calling me? What am I in in your contacts? I don't like that. Mobile. <laughs> Sean, call Sean Mobile. And it says mobile is a town in Alabama. And so people hear that and they go, well, if that's the level we're at, then it's never going to achieve this. So the gulf between here and there is vast. That's just not the way to look at this. And smarter minds than me are right. saying that. I, I think it's that, that promise that we've always been given, and uh, through films as well, sci-fi films, but it's slightly different when we're talking about fiction. Um, and it's fiction. Sometimes you know, technology I, is based because of ideas from fiction, right? That they, they've tried to make it happen. Sean, um, I have friends who are Star Wars fans, right? And they go absolutely off mm. on one when you talk about this because they're like, this is what Star Wars has been saying for years. And Star yes. Wars said this, and there's a guy <laughs> with a, you know, a huge head, and he said this back in Star Wars 4, clone the jets, however it was. And I'm like, yeah, yeah whatever. No, I can't be bothered <laughs> with it. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of science fiction, so I didn't see a lot of these films. I didn't read those books. So that wasn't a thing that was open to me. Um, I watched it's Disney just, films when I was growing up, and you know, I've kind of stuck with that. I'm going back to Disney films. I'm back to watching Succession again. I'm going back around again. I'm enjoying it. I just... It's just we've always been promised this level, and it's never materialised. I mean, you know, you just mentioned Siri there. I mean, you know, I don't know if we have. I, don't, I think promise is the wrong word. I don't think we've been promised. I think we've no, been shown we have. examples, and we've been shown the house of the future. Remember all that stuff we yes, did a bit exactly. on the TV at one, at From one the time, fifties. Yeah, <laughs> but but that was that was the that was I guess showing you what could happen. I don't know if it was a promise. Because it was never really promised that any of that was going to happen. I think most of us knew that. 
I think most sensible thinking people mm. thought, I probably thought the opposite, probably thought that'll never happen. Nice yeah. idea, but it'll never happen. And of course, you know, then, you know, at the 50s into the 60s, you started getting electric cookers and dishwashers, and suddenly these appliances started developing, but they were all devices. They were never, you know, they were never alive and had their own minds. That's what's going to change. No, well, hang on, hang on. They're never going to be alive and have their own minds. Well, put it this way. If you've got a dish, I was thinking about this the other day, right? So if you had a slow cooker and you've got an air fryer and you've got an oven, you've got a dishwasher, and they can all communicate with each other, then they can all work together, right? So it's, I'm yes. not saying they have their own mind. They will need, I guess, some instruction. But equally, they may not need instruction because they might be able to figure things out. And look, I go back to this point about learning by themselves. It was taught in English and it was able to respond in a Bangladesh language. Yes. How is that possible when it was uh, never because, trained to do that? Because somewhere in its data set is the Bangladesh language. But there wasn't. That was the point. Google had said there was no, I knew, no, there was no language it, it, in there. It, that, well, no, it must be in the data model somewhere. That what he said was that it wasn't trained to speak different languages, but when it was when it encountered someone using that language, it, it itself decided to respond in that language. But it must have had access, otherwise it wouldn't have a clue. It's still not sentient, right? No, and I'm not suggesting it is. I mean, well, kind of. Well, no, I'm not. You kind of are. Well, no. If you take if you take the capabilities of our devices nowadays to action themselves based on circumstance, so just even take your heating. Your heating figures out that it's 16 degrees at home and it thinks it's maybe time to turn the heating back on. Now, I'm not saying that as a sentient being. It's not. But no. it does work off instruction. It can therefore work by itself. That's my point. And if you can get that kind of technology to start working with other, because I, I go back to this point about AI being connection of dots, all these bits of technology all over the place starting to come together and work as one. That's beginning the process of being able to start to control things in a much more, you know, not sentient way, but certainly be able to control them in a much more normal, natural way for us. In an intelligent way. In an assistant base. Level. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing. That thermostat, actually, it, it, it works off. We set the temperature. And it, it, it's that that triggers another thing that turns on the heating, right? Yeah. Now, if you multiply that by a thousand and you're, you're actually monitoring, you know, a thousand other bits of information of when to turn that heating on, then it starts to look more intelligent. Oh, it's cold outside, even though the temperature isn't set to whatever we've set it to. It's, I think I should turn it on. It's that, it's like you say, it's all those those other extra sources of information. And once you get to a certain level and you've got the processing power to process all those different sensors, then it starts to get, okay, this is starting to get a little bit creepy. I, yeah. think, I think that's where we're at. But yeah, AI, again, that's it. We're not going to talk about it ever again. And that's a cast iron guarantee. That is an absolutely not a cast iron guarantee. <laughs> you cannot do that to the bank because we're going to talk about it right after this. Stay there. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. Hi, guys. It's Eleanor. Your hey. episode on AI was absolutely fascinating. And you're right, equally terrifying and exciting. The fact that the AI went off and did its own thing, starting to use another language by itself without its creators knowing how or why, is pretty scary. I'm sure that companies like Google and OpenAI will do their best to set boundaries. But I don't want to be too political. But some other companies and countries may not be so ethical. On the upside, what AI can do to make life better for all of us could be incredible. Look how far it has come already. Interesting times. Bye for now. Thank you, Eleanor. Yes, it is equally terrifying and equally exciting. I think that's that's ultimately it for me. That's where I sit because I, I can, can see that. Yeah, I can see both sides of this. I totally can see both sides. And you can understand why so many people are excited about it. We see it with Be My Eyes and Envision as of now. And that's just the beginning of this. 
And who knows what's coming out from Apple this year, but, you know, if this is the year for glass, oh, then maybe... Please be glasses. Please. Well, I, I it think feels it like it's to, time. It really has to. It really has to be the case. Uh, listen, Biggles also wants to drop in with a comment on this as well on the subject of AI. Hi, Biggles here. Uh, a couple of quick thoughts about uh, today's AI um, show. Um, trouble regulation is you can't regulate what you don't know what you're regulating, and uh, who knows what's to come. You can't regulate without the without knowing what it is. Uh, the other thing was the open letter was signed number one by Elon Musk, and Elon Musk has now delivered his own Truth AI uh, system. Uh, just because he was behind. Uh, and the other thing is, how are you going to get people to pause? There's no way you can do it. There's no way to prove people are doing it, no matter who you're talking to. Uh, other governments are going to be doing it without regulation. They're going to be going ahead with no pause. Pause is impossible. Uh, thank you, Alexa, and call. Thank you. Using AI there to make the call. Um, <laughs> that's a cool way to get in touch with us, of course. I guess you just ask to call the number, right? I'm guessing that's it. You just ask yeah, to call one eight seven seven eight zero three four five six seven on your Echo device. And uh, all refunds will be provided by Champreys. Um Sorry? Sorry, I wasn't listening then. What no, did you say? That's fine. No, it's absolutely fine. Everything is fine, Sean. Go back to whatever it is you were doing. Uh, so... Um, I think this point about the pause, yeah, I, I, that seems to have gone a bit quiet all of a sudden. Uh, and I think we've seen what Elon Musk in particular is up to here. I mean, I said, I think, on that show when we talked about it, that, you know, ultimately it seems like they're just using it as an opportunity to try and catch up with OpenAI. Yes. Yes. But it actually seems a little bit more than that. It seems a little bit envious as well of the success of OpenAI, considering well, in particular with Elon Musk, he was the guy behind it. At the beginning, so that's what I was going to point out. Wasn't Elon on part of OpenAI at some point? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I can't remember okay. what part he had to play in it. I, I didn't watch the Tucker Carlson interview. I'm just saying, I didn't. But uh, I know oh. people might want to watch that if they want. I don't um, know who that is. So, oh, Fox News. He was on Fox News. Oh, talking to oh yes, yes. Tucker okay. Carlson about the. Uh, about, about everything, to be honest. Yeah. I think he did two big interviews, one in the UK with the BBC, which didn't really go very well, and the and the one with Fox News in America, which, strangely enough, did go well. Who would ah, have thought, eh? That's Who nice. Have thought? Good, good, good for Elon. Uh, but, I, no, the pause, the pause is irrelevant. It really is. And I, at the beginning of it, I was kind of trying to be balanced on it. it. You were signing that letter. Well, I was thinking maybe maybe it is time to maybe just slow down a little bit. I mean, it certainly feels that way. What is interesting, though, is OpenAI themselves, Sam Altman, the CEO, is quite keen to slow down the rollout of a lot of the new features. Google themselves have said that they want to slow down the rollout of BARD. I think partly, if, it's, if I'm honest, from Google's point of view, it's probably just to make sure they fix the holes before they move on, because I think there's some significant flaws with BARD at the moment. It seems to be quite... Yeah. Inaccurate in a lot of ways, not, not, and not just Bard though. Across the board, it's not. Yeah, open AI's, No, no, absolutely, absolutely. Open AI is perfect because it absolutely is. No, it's not. It does. And make maybe mistakes. that's maybe that's the first thing. Get that right. Get the get the data right, and then start to think about yeah, but progressing I, it. Again, this isn't for the good of the world, right? This is all because hey, you could get sued. This is all business orientated at the end of the day. Mm. Um, so let's not. Kid ourselves that they're trying to, you know, do it for the for our sake. Because I do not believe for one second they are um, for, for the little people. No, exactly right. No, they are not. It, it's all about <laughs> protecting themselves. I think more than anything else. Actually, I, I don't think it would be a bad thing to stagger it a little bit. The releases, let's not rush too far ahead. Mm. There's there's stuff here that we're still trying to get our heads around. I don't think it's a bad idea. I just don't think it's possible. It's too late. Now that code is out there, as, as um, Eleanor said, it's, it's far too late. We're all doomed. We're doomed. But we're not doomed. No, we're not doomed. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> okay, we're, all, we're not doomed. It's fine. <laughs> it's all about what we allow this AI to control at the end of the day. If we, you know, it's all about it's the argument of giving AI deadly force. You know, we've seen this before mm. in, in, in uh, America, I believe it was, when police force wanted to use um, robots with the ability to explode, you know, and, and uh, use deadly force. And that was withdrawn. I can't remember if they actually appealed that and got that back. But 
you know, once we start to give AI control over that sort of effect on people's lives, then we need to start worrying. Uh, <sighs> right, let's get uh, some more comment here. Uh, this is from Greg on a different topic. Hello, Tappers. Yesterday, I was travelling on a train and a person who sat next to me started asking me about my cane. In the course of our conversation, I discovered he was a college instructor in app and software development. When I asked how much he taught his students about accessibility, he says to me, what's that? I showed him how voiceover worked on my phone, showed him some unlabeled buttons on a few apps, showed him how headings worked and the rotor, mentioned Windows and Mac screen readers and ran out of time teaching him when we reached his station. <laughs> Despite what you may think from my emails, I am a calm, even-handed person in real life and it was a positive interchange, but it left me feeling a bit dejected afterwards. It is a mystery to me if he is typical of our technology teachers that accessibility is as good as it is. Regards, Greg in Pennsylvania. Yeah, there's a stark reality right there, isn't it? It is. That is very, very disappointing to have no idea. I mean, just the response of what is that? Do you, is, are you honestly surprised though? I am you, surprised. I am really surprised by that. Yes. You've got, you've is, got to zoom out, though. This is the problem with this, because we get wrapped up in our bubble, right? So we do this show and we talk about it every day, and we just kind of assume that everyone just gets on board because we become so used to talking about it. But then you go outside into the real world and people say, what are you talking about? What is all this stuff? And I'm sure there's people listening to this or who I mean, maybe not this, but, you know, maybe listen to AMI. Let's be, let's be clear. Uh, you know, listen to AMI audio, listen to watch AMI TV and, you know, watch all this stuff because they kind of want to know, but they're terrified to ask. And there's a lot of that going on. There's a huge amount of that goes but on you as could well. Just as easily flip that round and saying that professor or a teacher in coding and app development lives in his own bubble and isn't looking. I'm sorry, if you're in that world, then you're always looking because it's always changing. It's always updating. You can't, I think over here, at least when I was doing this sort of thing years and years ago, after three years, you were unqualified. If you didn't keep up, that was it. You were out. So I'm sorry, if you don't know about accessibility and you're developing apps, you are out of the loop. You are in your own little bubble. It's not a case that us as blind people or users of uh, accessibility are in our own little bubble. They are in theirs. Thank you. Well, yeah, and I also think that truthfully, realistically, the only thing that's going to solve this is legislation. It's got to just be part of the, you know, the rules of the web H have to be Rules. I mean, I know there are rules in some countries. I think the Americans with Disabilities Act has got some provisions in it on this. But I mean, how much teeth does that have? I don't know about the UK. Maybe there's a little bit in there. Mm -hmm. uh, some countries are better at it than others. I think we talked about Norway the other day, and that's a great example of getting it right. Yes. But, you know, that's more about your websites and accessible. Uh, that's not about building the websites. You know, it should be in the actual building part. Um, how do you legislate that? I don't know, but I, I, I feel that legislation is the only way to get the answer because being asking people to do the right thing, it's just not going to work. It just isn't. And it, it, it frankly just doesn't work. Well, we've so, been trying that for years and years and years. That's why this legislation and regulation has, has started to come out and why blindness organisations have started to really, okay, you're not going to do it. We're going to take some sort of legal action on this because you're just not moving fast enough. And let me just say this, Greg, great job by the way, not just showing him the screen reader, you know, voiceover or whatever, and how the app works, but showing him the inaccessible unlabeled buttons and things like that. That's what they need to see. This is what your code does. It makes me unable to use it. Yeah. Great no, job. That's amazing. Yeah. We need a million Gregs. Clone him immediately. <laughs> clone him and clone Julian. And we're off to a good start. Not for place. us, obviously. No, we'll no, get because at we're, a lot. we're just get yelled at all the time. But that's okay. <laughs> I can live with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, right. Let's get our message from Darren, who's uh, sent us a voicemail. Hello, this is Darren from Bexley in Kent. Uh, sorry, I haven't been in touch for a couple of weeks. Um, all I will say is that all my family have been ill, and um, COVID was part of the mix, but also the other coldy sort of things as well. So oh. I haven't enjoyed this Easter, so I'm glad to see the back of it, to be honest. <laughs> anyway, that's all over now, thank goodness. Good. Um, I thought that interview with Adi Kushner from Access Mind was really good. Whether oh, yeah. or not I will be getting the Optima myself, I don't know. But I like the concept of as much as possible, it is mainstream, 
but where necessary, it's going to be specialist, as it were. Um, one group of people who may need an additional piece of hardware are hardcore braillists, those that do braille import, because as I understand it, the Optima is a QWERTY in, braille out device with speech, obviously. But um, doing braille on a QWERTY keyboard isn't the most ergonomically best thing to do for a long period of time. So if a braillist was going to use the Optima, I would have thought one of the best courses of action would be to use something like an Orbit Writer connected by Bluetooth to the device, and then you can braille in and get braille out to your heart's content. So I like what he said, and I agreed with everything he said. I thought that was a really good interview. Read a Blind Shell Classic 2. We've had some apps released. Google Lookout version 3 has been updated, which is good. Also, we've had talking newspapers, and they've done Spotify, although you have to have a paid-for account to use that already in existence. GPS pointers, which is like you can use it to direct you from point to point, but you have to breadcrumb it first. You can't just simply uh, type in addresses at the moment. It's like a breadcrumb thing. And also tic-tac-toe, the game. Uh, that's what they've added to the blind shell. So there's been quite a bit of activity going on there. Um, as far as the stream uh, thing is concerned, I'm going to go back to the stream version 2, the second gen, in relation to the BBC not being supported when that support ends. Um, I have to say, I'm going to bring this up again. I don't agree with human wares policy on this. Um, I agree with what Sean said. I think if they're not going to do it, my problem is that they've not told us why. I know it's an old device, but you would have thought just a redirection would be easy to implement. So I don't buy that. They, they, they just say they're not going to do it and that's it, but they don't tell us why. Um, that's what uh, gets me a bit. So I'm glad Sean spoke up about it. I agree with him. I'll give him a star for that one. So that's my, my point there. Whether I'll be buying a stream third gen, probably not. If I'm going to buy any of those players, it looks like so far the hymns wins hands down. Um, nothing more to say on this point for now. This is Darren saying bye for now. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you, Darren. Um, actually, spread over two messages because, unfortunately, this, the system cut them off, which is rather unfortunate. But thankfully, oh. you did call back and we were able to put that back together. So in case, Darren, you uh, think, hang on, was that two messages I sent in? <laughs> Sorry, Darren. Uh, then we did. We, we spliced Technical them issues. back together. Yeah, I don't know what goes on with that sometimes. I think it, does, it seems to just cut people off for no particular reason. Anyway, um, wow, a lot to unpack on that. Um I've got a star. That's what I took away. Yes, I thought you might. Yeah. Yeah. I I wanted to kind of kick off this whole thing with the the point you made about the the streaming the sense player. Um, I'll get to the BBC thing in a minute, but I'm intrigued to know how people are feeling about the sense player. I ask this because I'm seeing a lot of murmurs and disquiet on Mastodon from people Uh who have the sense player. And I'm just wondering what that's about. So... I just want to put it out there to people. Has anyone? I know some people who are listening to this who do have one. How are you finding it? Now we did suggest to Jason Fair. I think he may have even uh, he may have suggested this that he come back on and kind of give us a bit of a few weeks in after he's had it for a while how he feels about it. So I'd be intrigued to know how uh, how it's going. So maybe we'll get Jason back on. But if you have a comment about the sense player, because we don't tend to hear a lot about that. Uh, in particular, you know, when people are using it, you know, get in touch and tell us your thoughts. And equally, if you've managed to get, I, I, I don't think you would have had your hands on the new Victor Reader yet, right? Is it out yet? Is it just out in the States? I can't remember I the know. dates it was coming out. But um, if you talk be... nicely to them, apparently you can get one early. It's um, as long as you buy it, obviously. Wasn't that the Wasn't that the sense player? <laughs> oh yes, it was. Sorry, yes, take it all back. Work, did it? Yeah, yeah take no, it all sorry. back. If only there was a way we could cut that out of the show to make you not look like an idiot. But F- since we this. can't. <laughs> It's unfortunate. I flunked that one. Sorry. Um, <laughs> oh, no. I mean, if I had made that mistake, I'd have made it out. Uh, but anyway, um, to, to the BBC point, um, I, I think it's less to do with a humanware policy, Darren. I think it's more to do with what 
they can do with it. I, I think there's a bit of a misunderstanding here, I, I, at least to my knowledge. It's that everything is being built inside the BBC Sounds app, and you can't put an app on the Victor Reader Stream 2. So it would have to come from, say, a, a raw stream of content or raw stream of audio. At least that's my understanding of it. Uh, and the podcasts would have to come through a regular RSS feed. But if they're not, then there's nothing humanware can do about that. If the, if the podcasts aren't being made available through Utunes, as is the, the system, Big which fine. is still a weird name, Utunes, <laughs> I like saying that, uh, you know, then, then you can't get the, 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 the content on there. That's ultimately the problem. And there's nothing really humanware can do about that. This is a BBC decision, not a humanware one. I'm, I, I know I'm standing, like I'm standing up for humanware, but understanding this a little bit as I do, it's really not anything to do with them. I think if the, if the streams were available, if the podcast streams were available, then they I'm would continue to allow that to happen. How can you say you're not convinced when that's what's I'm not happening? Convinced. I'm, I'm not convinced there isn't some software side that they could write the functionality into the current OS. I'm not convinced. What is, what is that version running? We, I, we did talk oh, about this uh, previously, and I cannot remember. Linux? If it's running Linux, you, then you could write something. My point is, it doesn't matter about the processing hardware on the Victor Reader Stream 2, because when it comes to m- media playback, the, st- the processor really, it could run on virtually anything, especially when we're just talking audio. This is just an audio stream it needs to pick up. I'm just not convinced that this software couldn't be written to do this. I agree with you. The BBC Sounds is at fault here. They've took it away from TuneIn Radio and other streaming services and brought it in-house and made it more difficult to access because you need to be uh, uh, have an account. So there is some extra functionality here. It's not just an RSS redirect, but I'm not convinced that that couldn't be done on the software side. Mm, I'm not convinced on that one. I'm not, All con- right. I'm not convinced by your unconvincedness. Yeah. Right. Well done. To the we point. Nowhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That sounds about right. Um, <laughs> we uh, you know, also want to pick up on this point about the Optima because I, I think you actually raise an interesting point here, Dad, and I think it's, it's the unfortunate reality <laughs> of where we are. And it's, it's fortunate and unfortunate all at the same time. We seem to have a lot of choice available to us, and yet it feels like when it comes to specific products, we don't have enough choice. And with the Optima, I don't think you could make everybody happy at all with this device. Is it almost impossible, right? Because what you're talking about there, of course, is having the QWERTY input as it does. It's a QWERTY input keyboard with the Braille cell, the 40 cell Braille display below it. Uh, and what you're saying is ultimately it would be nice to have a Braille input version of that as well. Um, unless there's a way for them to create some kind of overlay, and I kind of think about the the way Humanware did it with the Keysoft on the... Uh, Braille Note Touch. So Touch, we had this yeah. overlay that could connect, a physical overlay that came over. So you could have physical keys and then you could lift up and you'd have access to the touchscreen. Um, maybe that's a way to do it. Maybe you could just have like an overlay that sits on top of the QWERTY keyboard and you just Braille input from there. I don't know. Uh, but that just, it feels like we're just adding more and more bits to this. I don't know if you ever saw the episode of The Simpsons where Homer designs a car. It's yes, kind of feeling a little bit like that, you know? <laughs> I want eight horns and I want five cup holders and <laughs> yes. I want a separate bit in the back for the kids. You know, and suddenly you have this monstrosity that turns up. Squeaky you know, and- lazy Susan. Yes. It, it just- <laughs> Remember that? Um, but so the way that that works is, is using a software um, interpreter to to take the, let's say, JKL keys and the, uh, what would it be, uh, D, F, G, I don't know, whatever, the, the six keys of the, on the <laughs> home row. I'm thinking about that as well. I'm like, Which I know, one is I it? can't remember. <laughs> whatever. It takes the six keys of the QWERTY keyboard and uses them as the Braille keys. But as um, Darren rightfully said, you know, that could, could be an issue because you're it's a bit of a strange angle if you're doing it for a long time. Um, but there's nothing to stop someone at this to create a USB custom um, Braille input device because all you've got to do is map six keys onto it, the JKL and the uh, DFG well, or whatever he's, he's, you want to use. That's what he's saying. You've already got that in the Orbit Writer. Yes, but what I'm saying, you could make that for like five bucks, ten bucks. Mm. Um, the Orbit Writer, although it's what, affordable. Braille tech that costs a fiver. Well, that's what I'm what, saying. Cause basically, basically, you're making a six-key keyboard. But, yeah. you know, you could put the, the design in the um, the way the keys are placed so you could make it more uh, usable 
for for Braille users. So yeah, these are all possibilities. But like you said, you just can't have everything. Where would you where would you put Braille keys on on the Optima? I, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. But it is, I think it's a valid it's, concern. It is, and I, I kind of think that if obviously you're talking here of economies of scale, there's not a huge amount of scaling up you can do with this technology because the audience for it is fairly small. So you can't really, I guess. It'd be great if we had the option to say, well, you can have it with a QWERTY keyboard or a Braille input keyboard, um, or you can have it with, you know, with Braille display, without Braille display, with upside down Braille cells, with jumbo Braille cells. It could go anyway, right? You could just have endless options, but, and that would be great, but that's never going to sell. And, you know, I think that what we could only hope for is that maybe they come up with an alternative to this. That might be the only way around it, which is to have an alternative option, which is Braille input. I get the idea of you kind of want both. And I think they've probably gone down the QWERTY route because so many people, and this is what Adi Kushner picks up on in that interview, which was a really interesting conversation. Um, he picks up on the fact that, you know, we're kind of teaching people to do things that are complicated. You know, using Braille input for a Windows machine is actually quite complicated. It's a lot to learn and take in. And, you know, you can just do this using a regular QWERTY keyboard. And most people, I'm not going to say that, I I can't speak for most people on this, but I would say there's a lot of people who may well have a Braille display and will lean over it to get to a QWERTY keyboard to do most of their work. I think that's probably true for a lot of people. Not for everybody, I get it, but, you know, for for a lot of people I've spoken to who, you know, use Braille, they say, oh, yeah, I love my Braille input keyboard. I love my Braille display, but I still go to the QWERTY keyboard to get stuff done because I have to remember all the commands, the control all deletes, the windows this, the windows that, the control that, and all this I'd have to remember in Braille, and that would be a problem. So yeah. it's a terrible idea, basically, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> we're out of time. Again, we're out of time. We're wow. out of time. An hour's not enough. <sighs> Write to your Canadian um. government and demand more time. In the meantime, we'll be go. Uh, right, catch you tomorrow. Thank Bye-bye. you, Sean. Bye. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-tv every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.